Amen. Amen. Good morning, everyone. Hey, it's so good to see all of your lovely faces. So wonderful to worship together as we begin a new week. And uh, as we're getting into really our second quad and um, man, temperatures starting to decrease, uh, it's getting closer to winter, but we're clinging on to fall. And uh, it's, it's wonderful to be able to experience um, all the wonderful seasons, right, um, that God has uh, made and created here in the beautiful state, Minnesota. Um, you know, the, this, this, this month, we, we have been uh, continuing on this journey of uh, looking and exploring um, our identity and culture. And, uh, you know, within God's kingdom, there's a, a beautiful diversity of cultures. And that has to do, uh, uh, it includes you know, both race, ethnicity. Uh, we've been talking about that. Um, it includes different expressions of worship styles. It includes different uh, denominations, different preferences, all these different things. And really, culture um, is a way of which we are living. It's a way that we do life. Um, it's the way um, that we, uh, we operate, the way in which we view the world. And uh, one unique aspect to uh, the various cultures within God's kingdom culture are the culture um, that, that is lived with, with our brothers and sisters in Christ that have uh, some form of a disability, whether seen or unseen. And uh, an annual rhythm that we have in chapel is our spiritual formation department um, partners with formerly uh, the CAPS or the DOS department, but now has been renamed the beginning this year, Academic Achievement where we have a year in the fall um, where we have a, a week that we title Disabilities Awareness Week. And uh, the purpose anytime that we have an awareness of something, or if we're brought from the place of ignorance to knowledge, it's for the purpose of mobilizing and equipping us to action. And so we, uh, this week, um, we, and, uh, underneath the banner and the theme of abundant living and of identity and culture, uh, we uh, have partnered with uh, Academic Achievement for this Disabilities Awareness Week. And really the phrase and one of the things that I want to invite you to, to, to consider and to hold on to this week as it pertains to these themes of identity and culture is how we can choose courage over comfort. Because when we engage other cultures that are different from our own, we engage uh, with other people within God's kingdom, within his church that are different than us, um, it, it will require us to step outside of comfort. It will require us to move in courage and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And, you know, Paul said to Timothy in 2 Timothy 1, 7 and 8, that God did not give us a spirit of fear, but one of power and love and of a sound mind. And so this week, uh, both today and tomorrow, um, we have um, a speaker, a dear sister in Christ, who lives here locally and has been ministering over almost the last decade in, in the local church, whom I'll introduce in a moment. And uh, we'll be here today and tomorrow and tomorrow with her son, actually, who has uh, Down syndrome and who was a big part of her story and testimony of God's awakening in her, uh, this, this heart and passion for those that have disabilities. But then on Wednesday... Uh, we have friend of the ADA awards, uh, and then two student testimonies, um, and then Thursday our various alternative chapels, and then Friday uh, we'll sing and celebrate uh, as we praise for our praise chapel. So uh, I want to introduce uh, to both today and tomorrow's speaker, and uh, who is Lee Bertman, and uh, she recently actually retired from the disability ministry coordinator position at Bethlehem Baptist, uh, the North Campus, just close to campus here. And the Lord gave Lee an abiding love for people with disabilities through the birth of her son, Kyle, who has Down syndrome, who will be joining us tomorrow. 
this journey along with a degree in child psychology and more than 30 years as an educator and leader in children's, children's women's, and worship ministry prepared her for leading the ministry at Bethlehem Baptist Church for the last nine years. Lee and her husband live in Lionel Lakes, are blessed with four children and seven grandchildren. I know that she's retired, gets to spend more time with them. Uh, Lee is an author uh, and a speaker regarding uh, this topic of, of disability. Um, and all of her book profits go to support children with disabilities and their families in central Ukraine. Where there, Lee educates and trains teachers, camp ministry volunteers, church staff on why and how to include people with disabilities in their schools, churches, society, while pointing them to Christ as their true hope and treasure. So, uh, Northwestern, can we please give a very warm welcome to our sister in Christ, Lee Bertman. And uh, would you please extend a hand out as we pray for Lee and as we pray for ourselves as well. Father, we thank you so much that as we sung just a moment ago, that we can stand before you. That we can say, here in Christ we stand. That we can stand before your holy presence, before your throne of grace, and thankful that we get to do so today together to worship you. And that we get to do so today together with our sister Lee. Thank you for bringing her here to Northwestern. Thank you for... Um, your, your providence and the timing of where we have been here as a campus and the, the journey that we've been on regarding identity and culture um, and this theme of choosing courage over comfort. Thank you for um, this word Lee will, will bring to us uh, concerning how we can love, truly love like Jesus did. May we experience your love today in a fresh way through her words and that we would be further equipped to express your love and, and, and to show courage. Lord, we love you so much, and thank you for loving us first. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Well, thank you for having me today. It's really a joy to be here. Um, and I'm just really glad that it's after breakfast and before lunch. When I was on my uh, way over here, I was reminded of a time when I was doing a, um, a book uh, presentation, and I was invited. I write a lot about our World War II veterans, and so I was at a uh, nursing home and they wheeled out the folks after lunch in their wheelchairs and a couple dozen people and so I started my wonderful presentation and before I know it one by one they started dropping off to sleep <laughs> so after about five minutes everybody was totally asleep but I was a trooper I kept going and so so if you nod off here and there that's okay I'll I'll forgive you <laughs> But it's really fun to be back here. I've spoken at a couple of the alternative chapters with uh, Club Soda and uh, the Students of Disability Awareness, and um, I really enjoyed doing that, so it's really fun to be here uh, speaking to a, a larger audience. And it um, feels like Northwestern is sort of my second home. I had a daughter who attended here and graduated, and I uh, was in the orchestra here. I had three kids who were in the music academy, so I spent hours and hours and hours out in those hallways <laughs> waiting for my children. And of course, we've been here for weddings and graduations and concerts and plays, and uh, we're just uh, really love the school and the people here. Now, as you may know, UNW has a wonderful history. How many of you knew that the Reverend Billy Graham was the second president? from 1948 to 1952, and he was also the founder of KTIS. Well, this is a true story that I, that I read that he told of early in his ministry. He said that he arrived in a small town to preach a sermon, and needing to mail a letter, he stopped and asked a young boy on the street where the post office was. And when the boy directed him, Dr. Graham thanked him and said, son, 
if you come to the Baptist church this evening, you can hear me tell everyone how to get to heaven. The boy said, I don't think I'll be there. You don't even know your way to the post office. So again, I'm excited to um, address you today um, during this great Disability Awareness Week. It's also National Down Syndrome Month, which of course is close to my heart. Um, and to be honest, I have to share that I had approached this college and several colleges about 10 years ago about my son when he was about 17 and we were looking into to colleges. I knew that he wanted to go to college just like his older siblings had done. But to be honest, none of them were prepared to uh, include him at all in their program. It just wasn't on their radar yet. And in fact, one of the schools said that, um, you know, why would, why would we do that? Why would we include a student with disability? Um, what's in it for us? And so I was really taken aback by that comment from a Christian school. It wasn't the school. Um, I some, just mumbled something and threw the phone down. Um, so I, I didn't stand up as much as I should have, but now I'm a little more proactive. I would have told them exactly what's in it for them. If they were to include students with disabilities, they would encounter people who love everyone unconditionally, and they form very strong attachments to people. And best thing of all, they give lots and lots of hugs. Students with disabilities are often non-judgmental. They truly accept people just the way they are. They're often very honest and trustworthy. They are rarely deceptive and rarely manipulative. They are prompt and very organized, and they can be really conscientious workers. And they're teachable. They focus on what they can do. They don't focus on what they can't do, like we tend to do. And they have a childlike faith. They love and they worship Jesus unashamedly and joyfully and robustly. So to be invited this week to speak is really exciting for me because I can see the progress that we've made over the last 10 years. And I'm deeply grateful for the vision that has developed over the years and for the changes I see in people's hearts toward people with disabilities. I'm encouraged by all the programs now. There are many colleges across the United States that offer programs for students with disability and accommodations for them, and I'm so thankful for that. So all this makes me very hopeful for the future of people with disabilities. So now the main part I want to share is that I've been blessed, um, as uh, Justin said, with four children and seven grandchildren, and they are one to 10 years of age. And the kids love coming to our house, especially for breakfast, because that's the only meal I can uh, guarantee that they'll all eat. And one day I decided to make pancakes. That's their absolute favorite. And the two oldest boys, 10-year-old Grant and 7-year-old Will, started arguing about who gets the first pancake. Is that a big deal? I don't know. I don't know why, but they always argue <laughs> when they come to my house. So after several minutes of bickering, I stepped in and I said, I'm disappointed in the way you two are acting. WWJD, what would Jesus do? Is that how Jesus would treat his brother? The boys stared at the floor, and I continued, no, he would be kind, and he would let his brother have the first pancake. Without skipping a beat, Grant said brightly, okay, Will, you be Jesus. <laughs> Didn't take him long. But this made me think, not just about WWJD, what would Jesus do in relation to siblings, but in terms of disabilities. 
And um, you guys are probably, I don't know, in your mother's wombs uh, <laughs> back in the 90s, but um, in, 19, in the 1990s, the WWJD was a big deal. Uh, it came out and it was plastered on bumper stickers and they had Bible studies and bracelets and all sorts of things asking what would Jesus do. It was just found everywhere. And, um, but actually, it's kind of funny because it goes back to 1891, and Charles Spurgeon actually had a sermon, and the title of it was, What Would Jesus Do? And he used it in terms of not only would Je what would Jesus do, um, or, or not only his being our savior, I should say, but also being our moral example. And the phrase reminds us to act in a way that demonstrates Jesus' love. Now, sadly, it's become a cliche, and people have used it to trivialize our faith and to mock Jesus and his followers. But I still think it has some validity these days, especially as it relates to disability. And it's not so much what would Jesus do, but what... Here we go, where's my first one? What did Jesus do? How did Jesus show his love toward people? Well, first of all, you probably remember the Bible stories about all the times that Jesus um, showed his love toward people. He embraced the outcasts of his day. He embraced the poor, lepers, tax collectors, Samaritans, prostitutes, those with blind eyes and deaf ears, the demon-possessed, people with physical disabilities. Jesus treated them with compassion and kindness and dignity unlike society then and sadly sometimes now. Secondly, he healed and restored their bodies. The majority of the um, gospel accounts of when Jesus healed people had to, do with, had to do with people with disabilities. But of course, he cared even more about their spiritual condition. He taught them his word, he forgave their sins, and they, he brought them to faith in him. And thirdly, he served the people. He served his disciples and the people of that day. And as you recall, right before his sacrifice on the cross, Jesus washed the disciples' feet, and he instructed us to do likewise. He said, I have set an example that you should do as I have done for you. You will be blessed if you do. So today and tomorrow, I'd like to consider how we, the church and individuals are doing 2,000 years later in terms of following Jesus' example of loving and serving people with disabilities. And again, as Justin said, how can we not only have awareness as we're trying to promote this week, but how do we promote action? And how do we put that love that Jesus gave us for other people into action? So I'd like to start with my own journey of awareness and action. 27 years ago, my son Kyle was born. He weighed little more than a small bag of flour. He came six weeks early with a head full of dark hair and almond-shaped eyes and a really cute little nose. He also came with a large hole in his heart and a, an extra copy of chromosome 21 in most of the cells of his body, or Down syndrome. I had had an ultrasound at seven months and he looked perfectly healthy. So this really came as a shock to our family. This, this wasn't the healthy baby that we'd expected, especially because we'd had three healthy children before. And sadly, his heart began to fail. So within days, he um, went into heart failure. But he was too tiny for surgery. We weren't sure that he would 
uh, stay alive. We were really afraid that he would die. But we took him home. We had to force feed him medicines day and night um, to keep the fluids off his body and to help his heartbeat. And I had to nurse him 24-7 to help him gain weight. He had to move from about 5 pounds up to at least 11 pounds so that he could have his heart surgery. And this was really hard. I had three other children at home. I was still teaching at the time, and it was a very stressful, difficult time in our lives. Now, to many people, my son was a mistake. In fact, when he was born, the nurse midwife um, just started crying. She said, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. She blamed herself for the fact that my son had Down syndrome and a severe heart defect. And we even had um, one of my husband's aunts. She was a dear lady, a dear Christian woman, but she learned that he had Down syndrome, and then she learned that he had a heart defect. And she said, oh, that's good, because he'll probably die, and you won't have to deal with him anymore. And it was really a hard thing to hear. And I have to say, though, later on, um, she became one of his biggest fans when she got to know him. So, But you know what? The Bible says, um, God, our Creator, says that he doesn't make any mistakes. He's designed us all according to his sovereign will. The Bible says, there he is when he was about two or three. <laughs> the Bible says, for you formed me, or formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And in Exodus 4, God says, Who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now many consider raising or educating such children as a, a burden. But Jesus promises to give us his all-sufficient grace and to carry us through these challenges. And another familiar verse, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And yes, there are many, many really difficult things about raising a child with a disability, or we like to say additional need. But I can attest to the fact that God is there and he can be relied upon even in the very hardest moments of raising these children. Now, many people believe that people with disabilities can't know God, but God can and does call them to himself so that they may possess the knowledge of the glory of God, and this glory shines through them. The Bible says, we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. This reminds me um, of uh, one of our worship services at Bethlehem. Um, people with disabilities often are just, just love the Lord with abandon, and my son will sing very loudly. Some of the students may have heard him. I know some of you attend our, our worship service at 11, but he's very loud and just loves the Lord. He doesn't hold back at all, and I'm a little nervous sometimes. I'm like, oh, maybe he should quiet down a little bit, not be quite so loud. I want, don't want to bring tension to him and take it off the Lord. But as we were worshiping one day after the service, a young college student turned around and said, wanted to meet Kyle, and, and he said, thank you. He said, I, I heard you worshiping behind me, so full of joy and so full of love for the Lord, and it made me think, what's wrong with me? I don't have that same joy in my heart for the Lord. I don't have that same love. And so it was just a, a, something to me that said, you know, God can work through my son to edify other people and to encourage them in their walk with the Lord. To many people, these children and adults have no purpose. 
but God has a unique plan and role and purpose for each one. In 1 Corinthians 12, it says, you are the body of Christ, and each of you is a part of it. Not some of you, each of you is a part of the body of Christ. And those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And this is heartbreaking to me, and as I mentioned my work in Ukraine, they don't understand this concept at all. They really believe that people with disabilities are less than human, and they're often placed in terrible institutions, and they don't believe that they're um, a part of the church at all. They never attend church. I spoke with many, many families. I was just there in August, and none of them went to church with their children. They were not welcomed. They were not accepted at church even, and certainly not society, but even in church, which was heartbreaking to see. So we're trying to trust the Lord to make an impact there. <coughs> Excuse me. But the Bible says again that they are actually indispensable members. And in referring to a man born blind, Jesus explained this disability happened so that the works of God might be displayed in his life. And indeed, these works of God are displayed in Kyle's life and in the lives of thousands of others we see as disabled. Back to the story. Kyle made it to 11 pounds, amen, uh, by four months of age, and he had two very successful open-heart surgeries. The recovery was very slow and very difficult, but he grew and he thrived. And then he actually began school at age three. He put on his, his little jeans and his little backpack, and he hopped on a school bus and went to school. It's hard enough when they go for kindergarten, but it's really hard to put a three-year-old on the bus, but it was uh, really helpful for him. And after being mainstreamed throughout his school years, he graduated from a two-year college program for adults with disabilities. So there it is. I just had to be patient and wait for that. There is a program called Bethany Global University, a college actually that has a program called Beyond Limits. It's in Bloomington. And my son was privileged to go there and live on campus to live independently and develop, develop job skills and independent living skills while he was there. It was great. And so he graduated from that program he has a girlfriend, Ashley, and they've been dating for six years. <laughs> they hope to get married someday, but we're not quite ready for that. But, um, but if the Lord, Lord allows, we will, uh, we will help them with that. He also is a special Olympics athlete. He plays tennis and softball and basketball. He actually works in a competitive pay job. Um, he went and applied like anyone else, and he had a job coach for a while, but now he doesn't even need anyone to help him. Um, he loves working at Chuck and Don's, and they have a kind of a gourmet pet food store, and he does all sorts of different tasks around there, and his main task is to help take care of some of the kitties. They have uh, rescue cats that they uh, adopt out, and so he loves that. Kyle also volunteers um, at our local school. We have an elementary school close to us. He loves working with the kindergarten kids. And on the days that he's not there, the kids actually cry. <laughs> they want Kyle. Like, where's Kyle? So they, they really enjoy him. And he loves to, sh uh, to serve as a short-term missionary every, um, well, usually in the spring, he works at a Young Life camp. And there are students from all over the nation who go and they prepare the camp for summertime. So he goes and helps serve the students and helps clean and get the camp ready. He loves to do that. And his probably his favorite role of all is that of uncle uh, to his nieces and nephews. They just adore him. 
And most importantly, well, I should say, um, the next goal is we met a lot of the goals with God's help, and the next goal is independent living. We're working um, to see if he can find a place to, to live independently, with some help, of course. But most importantly, um, Kyle loves Jesus with all his heart. He was baptized two years ago in our church, and he desires to become a member. And even though I've retired, I'm still working on um, helping the church to amend the requirements for baptism and church membership to be able to include our adults with disabilities. So, Lord willing, he will uh, be able to become a member very soon. And my love for my son has grown into a love for all people living with disability and their families and a desire to come alongside them as God equips me. This has led to writing and speaking on disability, as I'm doing today, serving in the ministry at Bethlehem and my work in Ukraine, and I may possibly be going to Russia. As difficult and as hard as situations are in Ukraine, it's even worse in Russia. Most families are absolutely forced to put their children into institutions where they're basically treated like animals. They're fed and they're, they're um, watered, but they line them up with a hose to bathe them off and they're not treated well at all. <clears throat> so it needs a lot of work and a lot of prayer there. Um, I'll also be working on some community initiatives. Now that I'm retired, I'll have plenty of time <laughs> to do these things. I'd like to work on transportation for adults with disability. It's very difficult to rely on public transportation, and as busy parents, it's hard for us to drive him everywhere. So I'm hoping to develop an Uber-type service for people with disabilities in my community. Um, I'm also working with um, our police force. I live in Lino Lakes, and we're trying to work with the police force. Um, a horrible situation happened a couple years in another town, not, not in Minnesota, where a man with Down syndrome, obviously identified with this, um, went to a movie theater. And people with Down syndrome can sometimes be very stubborn. The movie ended, and he refused to leave. His PCA was there with him, um, but he couldn't convince him to leave. And so the um, theater people called the police. The police came, and he refused to, to leave, and so they grabbed him, threw him to the ground, and they accidentally suffocated him, and he died. And that just breaks my heart, because I think that could be my son. He can be stubborn. But if, if the police officers had been trained, how do you deal with someone, someone with Down syndrome? If you had just said, hey, Kyle, you know, let's go out and get some popcorn. Let's you know, call your mom, see if you can stay for another movie, and you know, we'll work that out. Um, that would have done it. That would have done the trick. But how do you work with someone with autism or Down syndrome or fetal alcohol syndrome? There are a lot of challenges, uh, and we want to be able to educate the police so that they know how to deal with people with disabilities in this type of situation. I'm also going to be working with Delta Airlines. I was contacted by them, and they would like to focus on how their um, members, all their staff, can be more aware of people with disabilities who may be flying on their planes, and so that's pretty exciting to know that they um, also have a heart. They've been doing a lot with wheelchairs. They're doing a campaign now where they're collecting wheelchairs and having them refurbished and then sending them out to different countries. Believe it or not, in most other developing nations, people crawl on the ground. They do not have wheelchairs, and so they're doing a wonderful work in sharing wheelchairs. Um, so how did all of this happen? Of course, it was basically part of God's plan for us and to give us joy and to give him glory. And God has sustained us and taught us to rely on him and used our family and neighbors and friends and the community and the disability ministry at church to carry out his plan and to display his works in Kyle's life. 
Now, I'm always speaking about Kyle, but tomorrow, as they said, you can meet him. I kind of take for granted that not everyone has met somebody with a disability, so I'd like him to come tomorrow and to share his own story. I think you'll um, enjoy meeting him, and I know he'll enjoy meeting you, so if you can come back tomorrow, that would be great. We'll also learn a little bit about the church's role and then look at our own role in serving people with disabilities. Now today I'm going to skip ahead and talk a little bit about the action things, things, ways that you guys can get involved. Um, and then I'll repeat this tomorrow as well. The first thing is to pray. It can be really scary meeting somebody with a difference, if you will. But James 1.5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given unto him. So pray and ask God for peace in your heart and a willing attitude toward people with disabilities. And accept each person as a child of God. They're his image bearers, just as we are. And they are uniquely and wonderfully made, and again, an indispensable part of the church. And then look for opportunities to reach out. People with disabilities just want to be loved and included and treated like everyone else. They want to be a friend to you, and they want to belong. I just read an article that said the most important aspect, other than obviously our relationship with the Lord, is to feel like you belong. You belong here and um, we had an experience, well, Kyle did, at, at his college when he was, the very first day of school, he was sitting all by himself in the lunchroom and another student came by and Kyle invited him over, said, hey, come on over, do you want to have lunch with me? And the student said, sure, and so he sat down and years, uh, about a, two years later when Kyle graduated, that student gave a testimony and said that when he had come to the college, he was worried about how people would accept him and here was my son inviting him over to sit down and so he immediately felt like he belonged and so it works both ways um let's see give me just a few seconds here um so look for opportunities to reach out people with disabilities again really want you to um, just talk to them smile talk to them engage them and then take action Maybe you could invite them to a Bible study or maybe a small group or take them out to coffee sometime or even go play basketball or something with them. Of course, you want to get permission from their family or from their staff. And then you can serve as PCAs. There is a great need for families um, that need PCAs. I can think of about a dozen families right now that are waiting for a student. They would love to have a student like you come and be with their child. It pays really well. I think the average pays about $17 an hour. The hours are flexible and sometimes it's, it's specific care, you know, caring for their bodies and needs, but sometimes it's just going out to the movies or going out for a bite to eat or doing Bible study with them. So those are some opportunities. And you can volunteer, of course. There are tons of volunteer opportunities in churches with disability ministries. Um, and secular groups also, like Special Olympics. Um, there's a tennis group that meets for kids with Down syndrome, and they're always looking for people to help with that, and summer groups, summer camps and things. There's Johnny and Friends also. Johnny and Friends has a uh, family camp, and they're always looking for STMs or short-term missionaries that can come and work with the students, and I did that myself two years ago, and it was such a joy to work with one-on-one -on -one with a family and to be a blessing because many of these families have these kids 24-7 and they never really get a break. Another opportunity is in um, August, as I said, but Lord willing, in August of 2020, I'll be going back to Ukraine and we would love to have some students go with us to help speak English, 
any special ed people who are maybe speech therapists are really helpful. We need pastors. We'll be going and talking with some of the seminarians who would like to start including people with disabilities um, in their, uh, in their uh, churches as well when they start. And then um, I've got a bunch of resources here if you would like to take advantage of those. And I think they're going to be posted somewhere, but I have some handouts here. One just talks in general terms about welcoming people with disabilities, and it has some concrete um, ideas, things that you can do. Wheelchair etiquette, that's really nice to know what is respectful in terms of helping people using wheelchairs. And then I have a bunch of handouts on different um, disabilities so that you can understand a little bit more about them and ways to help them and interact. So there's ones on Down syndrome, ADD, ADHD, adults with cognitive disability, fetal alcohol, autism, and cerebral palsy. So you can look through those. And I also have a handout on disability and additional needs resources. And those resources are uh, really wide. They vary from different types of therapy and case management various organizations, websites, ministries, and books to read. So if you'd like more information, you can either contact me at, it's just my name, Bertman Lee at gmail.com. Uh, Bertman Lee at gmail.com. So I think my time's about up. So in summary, I just want to say that I, I hope I gave you a few ideas of how you can not only be aware of the needs of people with disabilities or additional needs, but how to follow Jesus' example of loving and serving them for your joy and for God's glory. Should we close in a word of prayer, please? Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time. I thank you for these students and for their hearts to come and to listen attentively today, Lord. And I just pray, Lord, that if you would be calling them to come and to serve others with disabilities or others in any other way, Lord, that you might call them and just equip them, Lord, so that they may show your love toward people who desperately need you. We all desperately need you, Lord, and I just pray that we would be uh, faithful in pointing others to you, Lord. We know that you are the one who can save us, Lord, and can help us to live a life that would honor and glorify you. We just thank you for this day. Thank you for all these wonderful students. May they be blessed for the rest of this day, Lord. And may all we do be for your honor and glory. In Jesus' name, amen.